Archer Williams, The Rural Mum, and today I'm here with Sheree Coddington out here on their farm, which is just south of Dubbo. And we're talking, you've married the farmer, now what? So thank you very much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me, it's been fun. Can you please introduce yourself, your family and your farming situation? Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Sheree Coddington and um, it's lovely to have you here and have this chat. Um, I've been involved with this farm for, oh gosh, at least been married for 26 years. So I um, came from Canberra originally and then got married and moved to another property and then came to this one that we're living in now. Um, so I was, I did grow up on a farm for a period of my, like until I was 12. So I wasn't completely um, shocked into the, the system. Um, so I'm married to Matthew and we have five children and we have our main enterprise is a merino stuff. Um, we have cattle and we do a bit of cropping that obviously evolves around the, the sheep enterprise, but the merino stud is our main, our main enterprise. And pretty much since I've been married, I've pretty much been on the, on the farm helping in some way or another, or there was a period of time when I um, went off farm and did a few different things. So yeah, that's how it all sort of started. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Perfect intro. <laughs> So can you tell me a little bit about um, how your role has developed from when you first moved to the farm to what it is now today? Yeah, okay. Um, so like I said, I've been married now 26 years and when I initially came to the farm, I did work off, off farm. I, I have a teaching degree and I did a bit of work in Dubbo. And I think two years into our marriage, our first daughter came along, Savannah. And from that point, then we had um, another three children quite quickly, Tessa, Charlie and Millie, and I had... Um, four children under the age of six, I think it, I think it was. So it was quite a busy time. So that period of my life, I was pretty much um, a mother full time. I wasn't working off farm at all. Um, I did help Sally, my mother-in-law, with the bookwork. And just um, it wasn't like it is now where it's all in the cloud. You had to bring the stack of papers over and enter them all in. So I've always sort of played a role in, I guess, the bookkeeping side of things. Um, on this farm, we do have other staff, so I probably didn't really help that much in the in the paddock as such and having little children. I would obviously go see Matthew in the paddock and that sort of thing. And I would help where I could, but I, I wouldn't say I had a very active role outside in those early days. Um, and then as as the as we've got older, we went through family succession and that type of thing. I think we were just trying to think of the age, it was two thousand and eight, early thirties, something like that. We went through succession. We we moved to the main um, Homestead and Sally and Graham moved to another place, Yolandal, um, away from where sort of all the action is, I guess. And we um, started to take on, I started to take on a bit more of a role with the financial side of things. And that's probably the main role that I have played on the farm is more the office administration and that sort of thing. Um, and then I have, like I said, I don't really help too much outside with the sheep, only if they really need me. But I do a lot of the cattle trading and that sort of thing. So I guess from the early days on, I've it's just I've got more responsibility on the farm. But I've been more on the admin side of things rather than – I do get out in the paddocks, but I wouldn't say um, – I'm not working full-time outside. Um, yes, yeah, so that's basically my role, besides being a mother to yep. five kids in there. Yep, that's which is massive on itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, yeah, fun yep. times. Yeah. Yeah. As um, the kids joined you on the farm, were there certain tips and tricks that you brought into the household as well as down the paddock that really helped as they grew and, and help you with the farming lifestyle? Yeah, um, 
I have always treated my kids as portable. They never stopped me from doing anything. Like I, wherever I was, my kids were. And when I first moved to the um, farm, I didn't have a lot of support in terms of I had to, came from um, my family were in Canberra at that time and they all lived there. So pretty much I was self-reliant in those early days and my kids just, whatever I was doing, they, they came with me and I just, yeah, they didn't stop me from doing anything, I guess. It was just remembering that they, they are portable. Um, like we used to go to Sydney Roll having a, a show, uh, a stud, sorry. We used to do a lot of showing and that type of thing. But Savannah has never missed a Sydney Royal and I think she was six weeks old, six weeks old when they yep. first Sydney Royal. And they just always just, yeah, I said that so they just remember that whatever you do, they, they can do. And they adapt. They adapt yeah. really well. And it's, you know, the more you're always a bit prepared when you do go into those sorts of things and... Um, although, to be honest, I wasn't always the best mother to um, bring everything, you know, the kitchen sink. I just, I don't know, we just always, we survived and they survived. Yep. You worked, you got your hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, it was probably hectic. I remember having four kids at Sydney Royal on a double pram, two kids on top, basically, and two kids in the bottom. And um, just, you know, pushing it. And the wheels on the pram were like that because of the, because of the weight. weight. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know. I don't look back at that time and, and go, oh my gosh, what was I doing? You know, I, we all really had fun. Yeah. I will admit my kids were kids that stayed very close to me. They, they weren't wanderers or yeah. I never chased them very far. Wherever I was, they never yeah. strayed. So I was a bit lucky. I, I did see some poor mums who the kid would take off and, you know, they'd be after them. But I will say my kids stayed. Yeah. And my mother used to call me Mother Duck because I was, yeah. I had the little, four yeah. little ducks behind me. Yeah. So that probably made it a little bit, yeah. bit easier. But, um, yeah, they were just always part of it. We never treated them any, you know, left them at home or whatever. Whatever we did, they did. Yeah. Was there anything that you wouldn't leave the house without? Probably baby wipes. Yeah. They, they made, like I said, I still use them now. I still have a packet yep. that I can grab just to, they just, yeah, they solve everything. Yeah, they do. <laughs> as long as you've got baby wipes, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think that would be the thing that I would always try to, yeah, try to have if nothing else. Yeah. Because you're a bit lost because they vomit, if they have dirty hands, just... <laughs> You've always got them. Yeah. If you want to clean a surface. Exactly. It's yeah. not just, it's not even just the kid. It's anything yeah. around the car. The, yeah. 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 So probably once. Yeah. <laughs> when heading down the, the paddock, what was your main mode of transport? Well, back then, it would have had to have been, like we're talking, because it's first 25 now. Yeah. Um, it would have been just the ute. We didn't have side-by-sides or anything yeah. back then. And... I don't really remember riding the quad that much or anything like that with kids. So we would have just all piled into into a ute and just, you know, kids on top of us and yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah. that definitely um, – and where where we initially, when the kids were quite little, the, the yards weren't that far away so you could walk. Yeah. So you do a lot of walking that too. And then you this where we are now is sort of the main where most of the stuff happens. Yeah. You know, you drive across here and then usually you just walk down to the shed. So there probably wasn't a lot of – like I, my kids would have loved the side-by-side side and they would have definitely – been on them and I would have taken that if um if there had been that yep. that option but yeah it's just generally the uh, and my kids never had motorbikes really uh, maybe I think Charlie got one but they just never really rode them I don't know why Timmy now my youngest yep. loves it and has one but he never did the horse thing either so yeah we're different what age did everyone start riding their horses very little uh, Savannah would have been 18 months old when she got her yep. first horse and they were a big part of, I guess, they were my thing when, I guess, yeah, when I first came to the farm, I did find it a little bit isolating and didn't have a lot of people I knew around me. So the horse thing was just my outlet. So it was quite important to me back then and I was very crazy in terms of 
the places we used to go and how little they were. And I look back and go, oh, what were you thinking? Like, it was so, so unnecessary in terms of, yeah, like people, if you ever talk to anyone who knew me at that time, just shake their head at me and go, why have you got four children out here? Two in a pram, two on horses, by myself, because generally when you marry a farmer, they're not always, not always they're there. not always there and they've got other stuff on. So I did a lot of it, yeah, by myself. And it was fun though, it was fun. And it was, it was my outlet. So it was my thing that I did to, I guess it kept me a little bit sane and it was my interest. So we had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, 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 had a lot of fun. Do you have any tips for picking the right horse for the right kid? Oh, it's not easy. Yeah. It's very, it's definitely, if you can find one um, word of mouth and someone who, you know, some horse has been outgrown, especially when they're very little. Yeah. And it's, you just got to have the most kind, forgiving type horse that's very safe because there's not, even though horses are generally, um, they're not, not bad or anything like that, but just a little kid doesn't have, you know, they don't have the control or, you know, the brain to sort of think as an adult and stuff. So it's just, oh yeah, word of mouth is just trying to find that. It's not always easy and it's a bit of a bumpy ride trying to find the, the right horse and do your research, you know, if you are buying one off someone else, ring ring someone who's been to the pony club with it or who knows the family. You'll, someone will know someone in the horse yeah. industry who's seen that pony or knows yeah, something about those people yeah. and that's probably the best the best way. Just check up and, you know, and I didn't always get it right either and people weren't always honest in terms of, yeah. and so I learned along the way. It took a long time to... um find the right horse and Paul Van the first she went through a few yep. a few um, rough ones to begin with. But we got there. Yep. We got there and we've all got great skills now, good life skills that even if they um only ever sit on a horse, you know, three times they still can. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of other stuff that comes with it too. Yep. Yeah. The whole animal responsibility and that sort of thing. Yes. Looking after their own horse from very young. Yes, yep. yes. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure they all did as that as much as I did, but <laughs> <laughs> that's part as part of it learnt skills that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah they did they did so yeah that was all fun you mentioned that moving out here was quite isolating particularly when the kids were quite young do you have any advice or any tips and tricks on how um you were able to make that easier as time went by or any mindset changes that you needed to make um it definitely got easier once you know you started to get involved in stuff like you definitely have to find something that interests you, like I said, I did it through horses where I met people and created, you know, a few friendship networks and that sort of thing. Um, but that's very hard when they're tiny, tiny tots. Um, I think I definitely enjoyed my mother's group when we, when that was created, when I had my first child. And not that I have probably maintained many of those friendships going forward, but at the time it was just a good outlet and just somewhere to go once a week for a little bit and just chat to, to um, other people. Um, obviously if you can continue working in, in some ways, another, another good thing. I mean, I made a choice not because when you live out of town, you've got to, you know, the drive in, the drive out. It's, it's not easy. I mean, I know people in the city probably do a lot more commuting than we do out here, but, um, yeah, I made a decision to stay home with the kids when, um, they will be tall. But I, I think it's just trying to find something where you can get involved with, and you do have to go out. And seek that depending on your community. Sometimes, you know, some smaller communities might have things going on that it's easier. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think looking back, it was it was quite hard when the kids were little. Um, and then just over time, it does gradually happen where you start to meet, you know, a few people by doing those sorts of whatever interests. You just got to find what what that is. And and the thing is, I I do like the farm in terms of 
it's not that I don't like working on the farm or whatever. I mean, that might interest you too, and that might be enough to do as well. It just depends on your, your um, what you want personally, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people at the moment are interested in succession. Did you want to talk a little bit more about that? It's difficult. Yeah. Like succession, um, we we were very lucky in that we got to go through it quite early. Uh, Matthew is the only son, yeah. uh, which does make it you know a little bit easier in some ways. And he does have two sisters, which in you know in time I guess um, that will like when we did our succession, we didn't get the whole farm. We just got a section of the farm and, and had to pay a price for that that part of the farm. So it wasn't just a, about being given to us at all um but i do think it's a very big thing at the moment and i see a lot of people our age going through it now and it's a lot of family breakdown from it which is just breaks my heart because everyone's worked so hard on this asset to keep it going and for whatever reason like matthew is a fifth generation wool farmer so there's a lot of emotion involved in succession um but i think the key is just that communication early on and the more you can talk about it but I think one of the biggest sticking points is people have expectations and then they're not met later down and they have this idea of where it's all going to end or how, how it's going to work out but quite often that's not the reality because it hasn't been talked about early enough and also my probably advice to if you're a 22 year old now and you're on a family farm and you're working for mum and dad still look after yourself in that and if you're lucky enough to be earning a wage still do off-farm investing don't just have the expectation that you're going to walk into this farm or whatever have the thought that i still have to look after myself and have this off-farm stuff happening whatever it is if you're able to you know buy a little house in gilgandra or i don't know or shares or keep doing that and do that from a, a really young age because as you get older and if you've still got a bit of an asset base going early and even even if the, the parents have done that as well, it makes succession easier. The earlier you start to think about your exit plan, because there's always an exit plan for everyone, because we don't live forever. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, everyone's going to have to leave. So the earlier you think about that sort of stuff, the earlier you talk about that sort of stuff is the key. But the problem is that quite often doesn't happen. And it's just about trying to educate people. And it, it always works out better if people can have an open, honest discussion. Um, in the long run and they can be you know just sit down and talk about things but quite often there's a lot of emotions in, involved and then then it just yeah it gets everything just sort of loses sight and the saddest thing now i think is that farms are worth so much money they're such a because land has increased people just see farms as a big money asset but the way i see it is that it's just a tool you know like we we're here and We've worked it, and but the idea should be that we should try to pass it on to the next. Well, what's the point of doing all the work that we do? And there are a lot of sacrifices when you are a farmer because sometimes you can't go and do something. Well, you do give up a lot with your kids or whatever because cheering's happening or cropping's happening, sowing. So there are a lot of sacrifices. So if you can't sort of hand that on, I don't know what the point. <laughs> or to, somehow, I mean, some people have kids that are interested, and that's you know, that has its, I guess, natural ending, but. Yeah, I just see it as a tool in terms of that we shouldn't look at it as an, as an actual asset base. And if you keep chipping away at that tool, there's not enough left to actually create an, an income anyway. So it's it's all complex. I've probably got a bit wishy-washy now and gone away with the shop. But I do, yeah, it, it's a massive thing, succession. It's something 
you can't do it when the parents are 60, 70. Sometimes that's just a bit too late. The asset mightn't be big enough to be able to pass on. So that's when I say the 22-year-old needs to start thinking about it then because and the more they prep themselves, I mean, they might not even be married yet, but as long as they're sort of setting themselves up financially, and I'd say just say they put in 10 grand a year if they're lucky enough into shares or super, even using their super. So then in when they're 60, they've got this massive big super thing that whatever's happened in the farm doesn't really matter. They might have been lucky enough to, you know, take it on, you know, it might become their asset or whatever. But if they have kids, they walk away, they've got this really good fund here that they can actually walk away and they're independent of the farm. So that's, that's sort of what I, you know, that's where people start talking about it and doing it earlier. But there are no, there's no clear answer. No, never. But I just, they're just my thoughts on, yeah, reflection of how can we do it better and how, how can, yeah, farm. You just want the family as a mother. I want my kids to remain friends. And I've got five, so it's not going to be easy, but we openly talk about it with them now. And um, we also sort of say, you know, if I put it on paper, it's probably not going to be fair in terms of asset split and stuff like that. But you'll all get something, and you just. But I think if you talk to them about it, then they don't. Their expectations are okay. Well, that's what's going to happen, and they go on with their lives. They go and do what they're going to do. And I guess it all just comes down to being that, being responsible for your own life and making sure and not relying on. Yes, if that happens, that's good. But I've seen lots of incidents where it doesn't happen, or something happens in there. You know, someone might die, or someone's brother was married and now they're divorced and so there's this you know you just know what's going to happen in the future so that's why you've just got to sort of yeah, take responsibility for yourself and try to plan an exit right from a really early age because that way you'll be okay yeah so yeah that's my thoughts on succession Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> earlier we were talking about farm once a life and yeah, yeah. um hearing about a lot of you know okay if these girls do marry the farmer and a lot of them have come from a city background uh, if someone was moving out here to the country and, and marrying their farmer, what advice would you give them? Um, I don't know. You learn on the job. Yeah. <laughs> don't you? I, I don't know. I was thinking when I read one of your questions, you know, did anyone give me any advice? I don't think they they did. I can't remember them actually saying. I think it is just learning on the job, but you you have to come in with your eyes a little bit open because quite often I had a friend tell me that you're marrying the um, – you're marrying the farmer, but you're not marrying his family. But uh, it, it is true that when you come into uh, a family farm, quite often there is a lot of dynamics that you have to, you know, I guess adapt to just see how they all work. So, you know, I don't know if there's any advice except you, you learn on the job. It's a slow process. It takes time. <laughs> yeah, and you definitely have to have a level of, of patience and acceptance and um, because they do work hard, most of uh, our husbands and, and longer hours, um, I would say as as being a partner, and the partner might come in and work on the farm too. I'm not, you know, it depends on the on the situation. They might love that and work really alongside us. So it's a little bit different here because we just have staff and it's just that sort of gets taken away a little bit. Um, but I think it's, I would just say don't lose yourself is the, probably one of them. And that goes with being any mother and, and when you enter into a relationship and have kids is just, yeah, try to look after yourself and, and make sure you're still doing some things that you need to do to, to maintain your identity because sometimes it is easy in these situations, um, yeah, to sort of lose your... And especially when you're raising kids, is that part of so That happens to a lot of women. It's not necessarily just farming. So I would say to them, yeah, just, just if you have an interest, keep doing it. Don't, you know, you may have to do it on your own. 
you know, you may, and it's not that they don't support you, they do, they want you to be happy, they want yeah. you to do whatever you want to do. It's, it's you know, I'm, my husband has never stopped me from doing it. I've done some crazy shit, but, you know, <laughs> I've bred mini foxes, I've had 10 mini foxes running around, I, you know, I used to drag the kids around everywhere. I, I do some, some things out there that people go, what the hell are you doing? But, um, yeah, so just try to, yeah, maintain something that's important to you and, and make sure that you keep doing that, don't. Yeah. Because, yeah, over time, if you do give that up, um, it can catch up with you, yeah. I guess. So that would be my, my main thing is, yeah, just... And, and do insist on having time away from the farm as a, as a family, as a couple, because um, I can't... It, it's just... You realise once you go away, and we have been quite good at that, we always take holidays. We, you know, even if it's for a week, yeah. it's so important. If you just stay, and especially in, in hard times like drought and things like that, it's really important to still, I don't care. I don't care to go camping. I don't care. It doesn't have to be expensive. I'm not talking about an overseas yeah. holiday. I'm talking about just go away, go visit friends, go. It's it's really important to get away from the farm because it actually allows you to think, allows you to focus on other things. It just, I don't know, it just, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the other thing is if you're moving on to it, yeah, still in, tell your husband because I know you have a few that it's so hard to get away. Once they go, they're good. Yeah. But they're really hard to um, get away. To get in the car. Yeah, and once they're in the car, they're good. But I'm just saying, as a wife, book that damn holiday. Except it doesn't have to be expensive. Go visit some friends somewhere. Um, yeah, go find a couch to sleep on. I don't care. But that is super, I think, really super important as a mum, as a wife, as whatever. And then, yeah, and I guess just the harvesting, and it's not necessarily farming. Wife as well, it's just, yeah, try to look after yourself a little bit. And, yeah, we tend to put ourselves last. We're all guilty. Of that, and I've probably only got to an age where I'm going. No, I think I need to just take a little bit more, a little bit more care, and and that sort of thing. But um, but no, I enjoy it as well. Like, look at you know, sometimes I'll get on top of the hill, and I go, oh wow, you know, and just take the moment and breathe it in because yeah, you do you get caught up with yeah. with uh, enjoy it because some people would just kill to to be in that situation. So I guess it's it's just reminding yourself that oh, I'm lucky to. You know, to be able to breathe the air, to, to have the, the space around me. So, yeah, they're probably a few of the things that I'd probably... It's not really advice, but it's reflection back as, yeah. you know, as I said, I'm a little bit older than than um, most other people. I'm not that old, but, you know, I've had a few years, I guess, here, and it's just looking back and seeing what, yeah, what works and what helps, I guess, in coping with, with everything that's going on. And, and I guess that probably one other thing is just keep educating yourself if you really are keen on the... The whole farming thing, or, or whatever you do, just don't stop learning. Go away. Do you know? Matthew and I have found so um, so much benefit in doing little short courses for weekends or or during the week. Like just they just help refocus and also just the networking and learning off other people. Yeah. Um, that's been so. I would say, yeah, to anyone going on, if, you, if your husband's going to do a course, go do it with him. It's better to do it as a couple. And we are very lucky, even though we don't always say husband, but we do get a lot of time with them in some ways too, which you know, other people don't get necessarily. So, you know, I mean, they might be working down the paddock, but you can go see them and yeah. you can't take a picnic. Not that I've done that very often, but, um, yeah, they are just here, I yes. guess. They're um, around. They're yeah. not far. No, that's right. And you can, yeah, and, and if, that's the other thing. If you're having a bad day and you are stuck in the house with the kids, you go see them. It's the best thing ever. Yep. Like jump in the new, go up the paddock, and you'll be surprised at how much better you feel or whatever if you've got a couple of toddlers running around like yep. crazy doing heading which is fine it's normal yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i mean we must admit during covid we were all so lucky if we lived on farm 
like I can't even imagine being stuck in a unit with you know three little kids and not being able to go anywhere. Oh, my heart breaks for those. My hat goes off to those yeah. mothers that survive that. Like we were, that's when you appreciate sort of what we have and and what we do because it's great. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that, but I don't want COVID to come back. No. We did. We sort of yeah got a few advantages yeah. for that situation. Yeah. So yeah. That's good. Yeah. So being on the farm for around that twenty six years, the seasons have definitely changed. Yes. Do you have any advice for either on the side of the farm or um, wives and mums in times of drought? Um, I think it's really linked into a bit what I said earlier. It's just don't stop living. You know, keep. You just got to keep on, which most of us do. And it's actually not till after it finishes that we realise the impact yep. that it's possibly had on us, or when it when we feel that we could go back into it. That's when you realise the effect that it's had on you. you. Go, oh, I don't know if I can do that again. But I think when you're in it, we've just got to be careful not to shut down and keep being proactive as much as we can and do what we can do. But at the end of the day, we can't control everything. So you can only control, you know, what you can. So some things it's it is what it is and you just have to let go of some of those things and, and generally nine out of ten times we'll all be okay regardless of what happens, you know, as long as we have one another. Yeah. You know, if you think of the worst scenario, it's it's still okay, you know, like you generally got to be okay type thing in my book. So that's the thing. It's like, well, shit, you know, there's lots of people that are – it's just putting in perspective, I guess. There's, there's lots of people that are – in worse situations, like I'd hate to be in Ukraine at the moment, you know, like that's, that's life and death sort of thing. Yeah. And I guess at the end of the day, drought, and it is horrible, and it is tough as you, you know, you're thinking, gosh, how much longer is this going to go through? How much longer is going to go with it? I still think we're, we're going to be okay, um, whatever happens, even if you have to tent it on the lawn. I don't know, that's a bit extreme, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I think, but it is, like I said, just doing those sorts of things like, you need to go away, even like I said, don't have to I'm not talking about spending lots of money, just get away. It's important to catch up with people, like having people in your life, it's definitely important to just have a yarn and, and chat about those things when things aren't going well. Because you're not alone generally. You know a lot of people feel like they're alone, but there's a lot of people feeling exactly as you're feeling and a lot of things out of their control. But just chatting and finding those people, it's it's I think that definitely you can't look you can't sort of stay at home. If you stay at home and just let it overwhelm you, I'm not saying go out every, you know, <laughs> yeah. but if someone says go do something, go do it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, yeah, it's important to to still keep those connections and, and link up with people during the tough times, I guess. And, and it's like anything, we all learn lessons from those times and we try to have things in place um, for the next one coming round. But, I mean, the last drought we had, which was three year long, a lot of people were prepared, but it was just something they had never seen all for that length of time. So that's why it got particularly bad because there were a lot of people that had grain all that quite some time, but not for three years. Like, you know, people don't necessarily store grain for, for three years long, you know, maybe a year and a half. So it was a very unusual time, but that's what we're seeing, aren't we? There's extreme, Extremes coming through. Extreme weather conditions coming through. We're not quite sure. And there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, that wasn't there before. And I know our husbands are just very good at rolling with the punches. I mean, it definitely catches up with them. They probably don't always show it or share it, which is when it is not good. Um, but, 
yes, just try and let go of stuff you can't control, I guess, and just doing what you can and being prepared as much as you can, but also just reach out if you, you know, I mean, just go out to dinner or something like, you know, just those, you, we under sort of estimate how they impact us, you know, and even, I mean, as when we're better at picking up the phone, having a chat to a friend or whatever, um, and we know how much that makes us, even we don't talk about necessarily what's bothering us at the time, but it, we just get on the phone, have a chat, have a laugh, we always feel better, always, like, you, you can't, yeah, deny that sort of, those sort of connections definitely, definitely help. Would you say that would be the same for like a wet season? Yeah, it's, I always call farming just a different set of problems. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell's happening. It's just a different set of problems that we're trying to solve. Whatever, yeah, wet, dry, <laughs> mice plague, you know, yeah. just constantly things that have happened that we just, it's, it's just the same and it's just, a, yeah, just trying to find ways of, and we all have our moments when we go, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. But we just, I don't know, farmers are very good at just, Picking themselves up. They're very optimistic people. Picking themselves up and just moving on. And, you know, and sometimes that's good and bad. And I guess it's just knowing when, oh, I guess, if you have that enough, that's okay too. You know what I mean? Like the problem, what I've seen in farming, there is a lot of emotion and a lot of, especially if, you've been, if your family's been doing it for a long time, there's a lot of history, all that sort of stuff. So that can, you know, weigh on them. A lot of genetics in the yeah, stunt game. That's right, a lot of genetics. and So there's a lot of weights there. But I don't know. Hopefully, just come out the other side, dust ourselves off. Yeah, and off we go again. Off we go again. Yeah. Very reset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but it's okay not. You don't have to be all positive either during yeah. those times. It's okay to have a bad day or, yeah. as well. That's it. Just it's okay to recognise that and acknowledge that because sometimes, if you don't, it does just yeah. build up as well. So yeah, it's okay then. Yeah, it's not a good day today. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and quite often that's enough too, isn't it? Yeah. When you just go, oh, yeah, it's not good today. And then go, okay, today's better. The sun's nicer or yep. whatever. It's amazing that if it is just a nice day, how uh, that can impact you too. So we go, oh, like a beautiful spring day or autumn day or whatever. Yep. So, yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> Was there anything else that you, in your reflection, wanted to share or discuss today? No, I don't oh, I don't think so. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a blessed life in lots of ways. Like not everyone gets the opportunity to, to do it, but it does definitely come with its challenges. Um, the, the agriculture industry has changed so much, even, you know, in the last 25 years, and um, there's so many women out there doing great things within the industry and, um, yeah, getting more, not that we need recognition, but they're, they're more so on, um, yeah, the same, I guess, level as, and doing the same thing as all their male counterparts. And... Um, and I guess as a, as a family unit, like don't underestimate uh, the role that you play, like as a, as a woman, because, yeah, quite often you're the glue within the whole thing and quite often you're the reason why the husband does everything he does. <laughs> I won't tell you that very often, but it is. Um, you know, and... You're part of his drive. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know, and, yeah, so I guess enjoy it and just let life be, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much for having us out here on your farm. If you enjoy content and stories from rural women, uh, whether it's moving to the farm, marrying a farmer, raising kids on land, please hit the like and subscribe button and we will see you in more videos like this. I'll link some in the description below. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.